0: Lord, we are so grateful for ten years. Thank You. Thank You, thank You, thank You for Life Church, Father, thank You for what You've done the last ten years. We're grateful. Father, we have a grateful spirit. We're so thankful for Jesus dying for us. We're we're thankful that we have this heritage and a lineage of faith and and we see the power of God over the years. And Lord, You you have uh, positioned all of us for this season before You return that You'd have a proper and a fitting a witness before You return. Help us, Father. Walk in the full measure of what Jesus left us. Father, we all say as believers, as sons and daughters of God, that You flow through all of us. You minister through all of us. And that, Father, everybody we come in contact with, they can, they can see Jesus and sense Jesus. We thank You for it. Lord, we thank You for utterance tonight. May it be a, a marked night for us. A mark night for all of us to to launch out and to do the will of God. That nothing would restrain us. We say, all of us, that from this day forward in 2011, we'll walk with God. We'll minister for God. we'll, We'll speak for God. Father, You'll look through their eyes. They'll stretch forth their hands. And it will be Your hands in the earth. We thank You for it. May we get that, that as He is, so are we in this world. So, Father, I thank You for the next 10 years, the next 20 years. I thank You for great grace upon this church. I thank You for divine favor with every building in this city, Lord, with every, every uh, uh, person that will be involved in their future, Lord. Satan, you'll not hinder the growth of this church. I thank You for paving a highway for this place, Lord. Make it, Father, easy for their, their buildings, plural, to, be, to come to them. Their vehicles, their sound systems, whatever they need, Lord, favor, favor, and more favor to get the message out. We thank You for it, Father. And Father, we'll remain in the unity of the faith. Nothing would hinder us. We'll be bold to say, we'll not be moved by what we feel. We'll not be moved by what we see. But Father, we'll be moved by what Your Word says about us. We thank you for that. Thank you for such a strong group of people. Thank you for such a bold group of people to do your will. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Father. And Lord, as we get into these truths, thank you that Jesus will be magnified. He'll be exalted. We thank you for your wonderful name, Jesus. We thank you for the name that has been given unto the church that's above every name, Jesus of Nazareth. We magnify you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Father, thank you. <laughs> for giving us the Son of God, Hallelujah! We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said Amen. amen. All right, turn if you would to James, a very familiar chapter. Uh, I want to get into something tonight that's gonna—it will blend with what we got into last night about the presence of God, the glory of God. John 14, Jesus said we do the same works that He did, and He gave us some keys. I want to get into some keys tonight that just make it easy to cooperate with God. I don't know about you, I like it when it's kind of like it's just a part of my nature to do miracles, or part of my nature to cooperate with God, part of my nature to hear from God. We're not laboring to be in union with God, it's just normal. Hallelujah. So let's look and see what the early church had and look and see what we can we can uh, not just have our, our sight set on, but something that can cause us today that will make this happen. Hallelujah. So go to James 5. James chapter 5, look at verse number... You know, it's an end-time chapter, but I want to skip over to verse 7 and we'll keep moving. You've heard this many times. James 5, verse 7, he said, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, He has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Then he tells us, "Be ye also patient. Stabilize your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh." Well, that's what the Word will do. It'll it'll stabilize your heart. It produces stability. It produces strength. To where, you're, where we're not complainers, we're not murmurs, we're happy, we're joyful. We grow up spiritually to where we're always a blessing. Hallelujah. Let's keep going seeing how that went over so good. Here we go. So, in verse 16, he goes a little further and he says, Confess your faults one to another. How many of you have ever been to a service where you confess your faults one to another? I've never been to one like that. Hallelujah. How weird is that? Amen. Now, he's trying to show you that you're just still family, okay? You're waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. You know the Lord's coming back soon. Don't worry about the faults of the flesh. He says, pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then he says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And yet he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. I like this. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. This is a picture of what the last day church will look like. Now, you know, you get to talking about Elijah, and people get weird, but really what he's talking about here is he, he's showing you, it's an all-in-end-time chapter, I don't have time to get into all that because I want to keep moving, but he's showing you what the church will look like, that your life will preach for you. Yeah. Elijah didn't have to go, man, I'm a great orator, no. They knew his connection with God demonstrated his walk with God that he prayed and the heavens obeyed him, indicating that just as Elijah dictated the natural atmosphere of rain, you will dictate the spiritual atmosphere. And just like people could see that God was with Elijah because of what happened in his life, people will see that the Lord is with you without you having to preach a word. I like what one guy said, Preach Jesus, use words if necessary. the dominion and the power and the authority that you walk in will preach for you. Just like Jesus' ministry. You know, they, they not one time they go, my God, oh Jesus, He can preach, can't He? No. They said, listen to the authority at which He speaks. Listen, the messages that have been invested on the inside of you, it builds up on the inside of you and shows you who you really are. And all of a sudden, as you act as you really are, the earth gets to see what Jesus has done in your life. He has quickened you. He has lifted You up. Hallelujah. So Elijah here demonstrated this walk with God. Pretty cool, huh? So let's go back a little further. Go back to Thessalonians and let's run a little bit. I'm going to get to my message here in just a second, so just hang with me. Go to Thessalonians chapter one and let's look at this verse. First Thessalonians chapter one. Praise the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter one, look at verse four. Now, this is a key we're going to get to here in a minute that's going to show you literally how to operate in the miraculous. It's the key that the early church had, and it's the key that we'll finish off the church age with. Hallelujah. Look at First Thessalonians. Are you with me there on page 255? Remember, you ought to write in your Bible. If you've got a Bible you can't write in, get rid of it. Get one you can. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. <laughs> clean Bible, dirty Christian. Come on now. It's good to write in it. Alright, here we go. Alright, right, First Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. "...and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake." Now look at verse 6. "...and you became followers, are mimickers of us, and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost." Now listen to this. They became mimickers of Jesus and of Paul after one message. Wow! Not six years of teaching. Not eight years of Bible school, one message liberated them so much that they go, man, I can act like Paul and I can act like Christ. They said, I can imitate Jesus. We, All the messages we've heard have told us, well, if you, if you travel with Benny Hinn or if you travel with Ken Hagen, maybe that'll get on you and know, eventually you'll get there. They heard one message and said, I can look like Jesus, act like Jesus, and I can look like Paul. Wow, Radical. What was that message? It was a simplistic message of authorization. Jesus said, I'm not here. You're here for me. And they heard it and they believed it. And with their believing it, guess what happened? They began to imitate Christ. To the point they were called Christians. They said, those people are looking and acting like Christ. What does the world say about us right now? Oh, good night everybody. Drive safely. Come on. (laughs) Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. So one message so liberated them, it didn't put any kind of constraints on them. It said, okay, guess what? You're Jesus in the earth. Amen. Wow, that's pretty radical. Yeah. Let's go back and look at the book of Luke for just a minute. Look what happens. Run with me back there. So glad you came? Yeah. Hallelujah. Run with me. Look at this. Look at Luke chapter 9, I believe it is. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. It's page 87. If you've got a Bible like mine, come on. (laughs) Then He called His twelve. Now Luke 9, verse 1, it's pretty cool. He called His twelve disciples together. He gave them power and authority over devils and and to cure diseases and sent them forth to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now watch. All of a sudden, Jesus starts duplicating Himself. He goes, okay, I give you authority. And instantly, they start doing the same works He did. Not five years, not ten years later, instantly. Instantly. It wasn't like, okay, now I have a season of getting this in my heart and getting ready for it. No, they went, okay, bingo, and went out and started doing it. it shocked them how easily it worked. Shocked them how easily it worked. All right? How radical is that? We well, said well, that's the 12. They travel with Jesus, you know? Uh, we, we, Benny Hinn's not here, so we can't travel with Benny Hinn. So they, they travel with Jesus, so we can't attain to that. Well, let's go a little further. Skip over to chapter 10. Run with me just a little bit. Man, I might preach tonight. You better buckle up. Here we go. I think I might pick a space and just run right down the middle of the row there. Here we go. All right, look at chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed another 70 also and sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where of self they would come. And he told them to go preach the gospel. And you look there in verse 9, and heal the sick that are therein, saying to them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto them. So he authorizes 12. Instantly, they start duplicating what Jesus did. He authorizes the 70. Instantly, they start doing this. Now you would have thought, well, did they, <laughs> did they get everything just right? It wasn't about them. it's about who authorized them. Amen. See, we've so tried to make it about us that it ain't about us. It's about him. Amen. You know, it's just like Diet Coke. I like Diet Coke, but I don't get the can and go, check the can out. It's silver, it's red, silver, red. No, I want what's in the can. Yeah. We're so caught up in, in, in what we see. But you, you're a carrier. You're the container of this authority. Come on now. You're the container of this glory. We get caught up, did I do everything just right? They didn't think about what they did just right. But they instantly started doing the same thing Jesus did. Matthew, he told them, said, raise the dead, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdoms come nigh unto them. Wow. All they knew was one thing, authorization. All right, look there at, back at chapter 9, just a little further. Go back a little bit. Go back just one chapter. Go back to chapter 9 again. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one uh, casting out devils in your name, and we forbade him because he didn't follow us. And Jesus said, man, don't forbid him, for he that's not against us is with us. Now here's a guy that Jesus didn't even authorize, but he had enough brains to see what worked. <laughs> Come on now. He had enough brains to go, this is what they're doing to replicate Jesus. I think I'll use that. Jesus said, check this guy out. I haven't even authorized him, but he knows what works. We've tried to use everything that doesn't work, and the one thing that does work is you've got this authority on the inside of you. It's not the authority of the believer. I love that, that uh, uh, video that you have there that you teach this so much. It's Jesus' authority in the believer. Yes. Oh, come on now. Wow. Come on. You, you, come remember, on. you remember John Osteen. How many having like Brother Osteen? Oh. I went to John Osteen's church in 1970. There's about 50 people there. He's my favorite preacher when I was a kid. Brother Osteen had the story about a preacher that was afraid of the devil. You ever hear the story? Osteen talks about a preacher that was afraid of the devil. And in this vision, all of a sudden, uh, that preacher, preacher that was afraid of the devil, he was in this dark cave, this cavern. And all of a sudden, Satan came walking over toward him. And that preacher's freaking out. You know, the devil's like, ah, coming toward him like that. And that preacher's freaking out. The very thing he was afraid of was coming right toward him. Lucifer's walking right toward him. And that guy's going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? All do I do? All of a sudden in the vision Jesus came right in front of that preacher and as Jesus is standing with his back to that preacher Satan's walking up like that just as the devil walked up Jesus backed into that preacher and as Jesus backed into that preacher Jesus told Lucifer you have to get on your knees and bow because I live in this man come on now come on now it's not the believer's authority it's Jesus's authority inside you and let me just tell you my friend the devil fears it and they can't stand it you got this this investment is what you've gotten in the last 30 or 40 years. Wow. Woo! So it's not like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to have to get more of this. You've got it right now. Yes. Yes. Bingo. Done deal. Amen. Hang me with me. I was preaching in California years ago. Oh, I'm going to get to my message here in just a second. Just hang with me. You. you guys are so easy to preach to. You've got way too much coming to you too fast. Praise the Lord. I was preaching in California years ago. This is before Colleen and I moved out to California. We were living in Tulsa. And uh, so I go out to the church that I actually was going to move to. And I'm preaching in that church. And the guy had asked me to come to preach on gifts of the Spirit. So I'm there to preach on gifts of the Spirit. And he kind of extended the meeting a little bit. And they had invited a bunch of visitors to come. And one of the nights that I had come toward the back, there was a man laid on the back on a cot. And I could tell he was in bad shape. And they said, will you pray for him? I said, well, let's wait till the end and let him hear the word, then we'll pray for him. And uh, so I began to preach a little bit. Preached at the end, had, some, had the Holy Ghost begin to move a little bit. I said, there's somebody here that you have damage in your heel. Prayed for this guy, he was healed. Then I said, there's somebody here, had a word of knowledge, you have damage in your calf. I said, it looks like varicose veins, but it's not varicose veins. It's, it's like somebody hit you with a two before. And this man yells out over here, damn, he cusses really loud. Right there in church. He screamed out this cuss word. He goes, that's me. I said, well, <laughs> come on down. And uh, he... He had this vein in his leg that he was going in for surgery. He had gotten hit by two before. He worked at Home Depot. He got hit by two before, and, uh, and he comes down. And he's shocked. You know, the Lord knows everything. He, he, I mean, it's like, it's like, really? He can know? You know, boom, he's healed. So kept going, prayed for a few more people. Eventually, while we are ministering to some of those people, they brought the guy in. I didn't know this, but he was on, uh, uh, kid, had kidney failure, and he was on dialysis, but he wasn't a good candidate to get a new kidney because he was a drug guy completely addicted to drugs. He's sitting here, he won't look at me. He's just sitting there with his head bowed over like that. I said, hey, hey, heal people all to get up. He won't look at me. I said, hey, look at me. And he still got his head bowed over and I don't know what's wrong with him. But I said, hey, look at me. He would look at me. I got on the floor. I said, get up. Get up, heal people. Ought to get up and walk. I don't know that he doesn't know anything about this. He's just there in the service. All of a sudden, he got up, started doing the chicken and the swan. He got up, started kind of doing this and doing this. He was going like this. He started doing that, and he waved his hands. He said, "I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus." It was like an A. Allen moment. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then, and then it was no big deal. He, he's healed. I don't know what's wrong with him. You know, I just think he's you know, bad, but he's healed. Prayed for a few other people. They were healed. Kept going for a while, and the pastor got up at the end of the, the service. And he said, if you'll notice, every single person in the room that was prayed for is instantly healed. No fanfare, no cameras, no TBN, no God channel, no church channel. Yeah. See, we want it to be all... But my friend, Brother Hagin prophesied years ago that there would be meetings where every single person that was there would get healed. And that's great for that meeting, but God's doing that in all of us so that we can see what kind of authority that Jesus has given us so that we can duplicate this outside the walls. We don't have to wait till we gather together to have a special conference. It's so indebted and it's stamped in our spirit that as yeah. He is, so are we in this world. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with Him. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And we've so tried to make it, did I pray enough? Did I study enough? It's good to pray. I'm praying more than I've ever prayed right now. But it's not about your praying, not about your studying. It's about Him. Amen. Come on now. It's about Him. He. He is the one. He said, behold. He said, look to John. I am he that was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and hell. And then he goes, bingo, and gave it right to the church. Whew. If we had any idea, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see the throne. We're going to see the glory around the throne. You'll hear the thunders. You'll hear the lightnings, And in all of that, he's going to go, that was in you everywhere you walked. Wow. We ought to just kind of be stretching on the inside like this going, help me, Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. I'll I'll give you another one here before I get to what I'm landing on. Colleen and I were in Tulsa a few years ago. We were at Winter Bible. Colleen and I were at Winter Bible maybe three or four years ago. I can't remember what year it was, but we were there. And we were going to see Lauren, our daughter's living in Tulsa. Thanks, baby, fix me. Ow! No, you hurt me. No. Uh, you got me. She guys weird. Um, we were going over to a friend of ours' house because there was going to be a birthday party for our nephew. And as we get there to the house, Colleen and Lauren—I guess Lauren's about 18 at that time—I uh, told them to get out of the van and walk in this door over here because it was a circle drive like this. So Colleen and Lauren get out of the van. I said, "You guys go in that door over there because I think that's the door you're supposed to go in." And so I, it's a circle drive, There's cars in front of me, so I backed up. I looked behind me this way, because i got to go back that way, pulled the car around this way, and I heard Colleen scream. Ah! I'm like, oh my God, I just ran over my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> so so I, I'm freaking out. I, I heard her scream. You, I know what that scream was. It's beyond ordinary, like, something's wrong. This is something's really wrong. I obviously pulled forward. I got off of Colleen. I pulled the car forward, put it in park, got out of the car, walked right over to Colleen. Lauren is right there. Colleen's laying on the ground screaming. She's like, ah! I, what happened was the tire, if I can show you, as I turned the wheel like that, the tire went up her leg, went up her calf like that, and ran up her leg. So... So she's laying there on the ground. I walked over to her. I said, I command you to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I said, get up. Colleen looked at me like, have you lost your mind? Get up. <laughs> she did. She's like, I, that look was like, what? I mean, she's like, I, you just ran over me. Hello? I said, I said get up. I said, I, first, I said, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. I said, get up. I, I grabbed her, picked her up like that. It was like a heater. I don't even know how to explain it. It was like I, it, this thing just went up and down her body just like that. She goes, oh, my God, this is real. Now... And she, she stood there for a minute like that. I go, how are you doing? She goes, I, everything's good. We walked into the party, and I'm kind of twitching. <laughs> I just ran over my wife. And, uh, but see, we, we, we keep you know waiting for, for a feeling, or waiting for an unction, or waiting for something. Jesus authorized us. He authorized He He told them, even before He went to the cross, Preach the gospel, heal the sick. Yes. Amen. We, we, actually, I went, we went into the party, hung out for the birthday party. I flew to Daytona. You flew, flew back to California. Colleen was uh, jogging in the neighborhood, walking in the neighborhood, exercising. Did you, did you even hurt during the party that night? I mean, was it almost, did it almost freak you out that you didn't have any pain? It's almost, like too, it's almost too hard to believe that you can be in massive pain and bingo, it's gone like that. Yeah. Yeah. But now, now hang with me. I want to get somewhere. Just, just run with me a little bit. Kenneth Hagin, I've told you this story, you know this. Brother Hagin, years ago, had a, a pastor that was going to travel with him. And this pastor had full-blown sugar diabetes. And Brother Hagin said, Now, while you're near me, you won't register any sugar. And that preacher goes, really? He goes, yeah. So that preacher, that night, he ate cakes and pies. Not even supposed to eat cakes and pies. The next morning, he checks his sugar level. He goes, it beats anything I've ever seen. He goes, my sugar level's normal. He goes, my God, how did you do that? And he goes, I wished I could do that. So it doesn't come by wishing, it comes by believing. Now watch this. Kenneth Hagin developed his authority to the point that it not only blessed him, it blessed people close to him. He said, while you're within my realm of authority, you won't register any sugar. Now listen to this. While he's around close to Kenneth Hagin, his pancreas comes alive. Lord. He'd had full-blown sugar diabetes for 20-something years, and while he's around Kenneth Hagin, his pancreas goes, whoop, whoop, starts working. <laughs> starts making his insulin level just right. It's been dead. His pancreas ain't working. He gets close to Brother Hagin. How's, how's Brother Hagan do that? He developed his authority in Christ. Yeah. You go to every nation. You go to the Philippines. You go to, you go to Russia. The first book they translate, just like that brother says, the authority of the believer. Why? Because it works. Now, now, hang with me. I know this is not real the deal, but this is the platform for the miraculous. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now hang with me. That preacher went back to his church, and after a couple of weeks, there was a residue still of authority working in his pancreas. They didn't even register any sugar for two full weeks after being away from Brother Haig. Now eventually that pastor got a hold of that Jesus died for him and he, and he got his healing. didn't have sugar diabetes anymore. My friend, come on now. That's, that's when you're walking in a heavenly mentality to where nature has to obey you. Yeah. To, where, to where normally you go, well, you've got to live with diabetes forever and a guy goes, hey, you just get close to me and you'll be alright. Right. See, it's just like horseshoes. It's like hand grenades. It's like nuclear war. You can get close to somebody with the glory of God operating in them and you'll be alright. Come on now. All right, I'm getting closer. Turn over to Matthew. Turn over to Matthew. just taking me a while. Dear Lord. How many are still glad you came? It's better be in church than j- jail or surgery or anything, right? Now think about uh, how many like Brother Wigglesworth. Don't you like Brother Wigglesworth? I, I love Brother Wigglesworth. I, I love reading about Wigglesworth. I was preaching on the God Channel years ago in Europe. They'd invited me to come do this deal on gifts of the Spirit. So they interviewed me. Now watch, they have an actor interviewing me. And the actor's asking me questions, and I realized after a couple of seconds that he doesn't have a clue about the Bible, much less the moving of the Holy Ghost. He'd ask me a question, and I'd answer, and he goes, holy cow. And I'm like, "I'm like, oh, this ain't working real good. So, so we were laboring because he's got a script written out to ask me questions, but I don't even know if he's saved. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? Yeah. He's, he's asking me questions. I'm answering and He's going, oh, my God. I talked about a woman who didn't have any fingers in a church of the Nazarene, that church I was talking about today. Uh, there was a woman there. Uh, the youth group was talking while I was preaching. Couldn't get them to stop talking. Had a word of knowledge that somebody had damage in their knuckles. This lady came down. I watched the woman get her fingers back. They had one finger right here. So I told that story on the God channel. And that guy goes, oh, my God. So he's freaking out. I'm going, Hello? He's still God. So I was laboring. I was laboring in the interview because that guy was kind of shocked to see that God's still God. So an elderly woman came up to me. She's probably 85, 86, came walking up to me in between the breaks uh, because we'd wait a little while while that guy was reading his stuff, you know. And the elderly woman came up to me. She goes, hey, you remember Brother Wigglesworth? I said, sure, I remember Brother Wigglesworth. I have a stack of his books on my chair in my office. She said, well, we were in Newcastle, England, where that studio was, where God Channel was. He goes, you know, Wigglesworth, she said, you know, Wigglesworth got got saved and filled the holy ghost right here in newcastle i said man i know i'm just blessed to be in the same town you know and she goes well you know there was a time wigglesworth was in a meeting actually it was a funeral home and the holy ghost came on, told him to raise this woman up from the dead and she told the story she said she said you know wigglesworth is there and the woman's dead and the holy ghost tells him to go over to the casket and pick the woman up i mean have you ever been to a funeral before <laughs> i mean normally you act pretty calm at funerals right I mean, think of this. Wigglesworth goes over. The Holy Ghost says, go over and pick the woman up, raise her from the dead, throw her against the wall. He, he picks the woman up, throws her against the wall. Bam! And she falls down on the floor right there. And, and Wigglesworth's not even moved. I mean, she hits the floor like that and he just stands there. Now that's when you'd told, you told... I would have gone over to the family. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I'd have got real low. I'd have got so low, I, nobody could see me. I said, man, I, so, buddy, I... I would have got... But you know what? He's not moved at all. So watch what Wigglesworth does. He stands there, picks the woman up again, second time. First of all, to grab the woman out of her casket and carry her over to the wall, first of all, that's crazy, okay? <laughs> second of all, he throws her against the wall. Then she falls down, doesn't get up. Second time, he goes, let's do this again. Throws her against the wall. He said, I said walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she hits the floor. Buddy, I would have made an exit. It would have been like... You'd had to pick picked sheetrock right here walk right through. I'd have been, I'd have been gone He's still not moved. Third time, he picks her up, throws her against the wall. He said, I said, walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she comes alive. She said, I'm in heaven talking to Jesus. All of a sudden I hear you screaming. Walk in Jesus' name. I mean, you, you mean think about that. That's radical. But but what produced that platform? This is the coolest thing. What did he preach on? Righteousness, the name of Jesus? The very things that our group right now thinks are boring are the things that made Wigglesworth stand there and throw the woman against the wall. The cool thing is that's what you've been hearing for 30 or 40 years. He's invested all that in you so that that Wigglesworth mentality, that Hagen mentality, that Lake mentality. Come on, come on. on. All that mentality would be in you so you'd pick up that mantle and smite the Jordan and say, where is the Lord God of A.E. Allen? Where is the Lord God of Smith Wigglesworth? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? You say, He's my God. He's here tonight. So that's been invested in us so that we don't come up to this point in time and go, I'm glad to be saved, glad to be filled. No, we have this dominion mentality, this authorization mentality to where our God is the same and has not changed. Now see, even Brother Hagin, look at Brother Hagin, he used no flash. He wouldn't get up and go, I tell you, I mean, Brother Hagin's not dancing and spinning around like that. He'd get up and preach. When I was a kid, Mark 11, 23, open your Bibles, and it's just super naturally boring. <laughs>
1: you
0: know what I'm saying? He wouldn't even try to make it zippy. No, no, no zippy doodah, he'd go, Mark eleven twenty three. and as a kid, I'd just go, my God, change the name of it or something. <laughs> make, put, a little, put a little something on it to make it different. But what happened is that got in this generation where there is a stability, there is a strength, there is a knowing God, because Daniel prophesied, you'd know your God, you'd be strong, you'd do exploits. So we've come to the very end. You think about Anna, you think about Simeon, just a few people are in position right before the first coming of the Lord. Look at what God's got all these people in position before the second coming of the Lord. Oh, come on now. He has a group of people that know their authority, know the name of Jesus, know the Word of God. Hallelujah. That's you. He's done that by Himself. Hallelujah. It's just so strategic, Him setting your life up for right now. Wow. So look back here at Matthew just a moment. Look at Matthew. Wow, real quick. Matthew 28. You know this verse real well, but I want to get into it for a second. Matthew 28, look at verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying... It's page 44 if you've got a Bible like mine. He said in verse 18, Jesus said, All power, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. We know this. He said, Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me. And we've heard this a thousand times. In the Greek, this is what they heard. I give you a right to act, and I give you freedom of action. So, so I give you a right to act and a freedom of action. So they just heard something that, that basically took the limits off something that said, okay, just go for it. As opposed to nowadays, religion said, you better be careful because you don't want to offend anybody and make sure everybody's happy. All these religious mentalities, here, right here, Jesus said, go for it. I give you right to act and freedom of action. Wow. Now, man, I can't believe we am going to get into this, but I'm going to for a second. Here we go. Thank you. Thanks for coming. God bless you. How many of you like uh, uh, Brother Eastwood, Brother Clint Eastwood? You like him? (laughs) Anybody like Brother Eastwood? (laughs) (laughs) When I was a kid, my dad would take me to Clint Eastwood movies. You know, he'd say, no, that religion will wear off. Mom would take me to meetings. My dad would take me to bars and take me to Clint Eastwood movies. (laughs) He didn't know it was the incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever. So Brother Eastwood, you know. In those movies, I can't remember the one. It's which one it is, but you remember, you remember the one where he has the forty-four Magnum. Yeah. Remember, he has the forty-four Magnum, and, and all of a sudden, the, the scene happens and all the confusion. I can't remember if I have shot five times or six times. He goes, "You feel lucky, punk." Yeah. The guy's laying on the ground. He goes, "Go yeah. ahead, and make my day." Remember that? Yeah. It's iconic. He goes, "You feel lucky." He'd go, He'd "Go ahead, and make my day. Make a move for that gun. I'll shoot you, man." It's so you believe he's going to blow that guy's head off. It's so it's iconic because it's so cool. Go ahead, and make my day. Well, you know what, though? It's, it's not real. Nope. It's a movie. It, it was a script, and what happened was Clint Eastwood's an actor. He's a paid actor. He gets the script, he learns his lines, and the director goes, okay, i tell you what, Clint, you're from California, so you don't like guns, but you're going to have to have this prop. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna have to have something that looks like a 44." And, and the director goes, what I'm going to do, Clint, when that guy gets down on the ground, I'm going to go, action! And I want you to walk over there, and you, 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 you make him believe you're going to blow his head off. So Clint goes, okay, I don't like guns, okay, but you know I, I'm professional and I've, I've read my lines. I got the script. The script's here, so okay. And then all of a sudden they get the cameras, get everything all set up. No action. Clint walks over in all the confusion. If you're a lucky punk, go ahead and make my day. And man, you, you believe Him to the point the guy laying on the ground is going like that. If Clint Eastwood can be that bold about something that's not real, how much bolder you can be about something that's eternal. You have a script right here. You've got a holy script that Jesus said, all authority has been given unto you. How dare people in the world be bolder than people in the church? The reason why we're not as bold as we should we don't know our lines. Mm reason why Eastwood could be like that is he read his lines. And yeah. think about it, In the movie, we're, 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 not, we're not the guy on the ground. The church has always thought they were the guy on the ground. And then maybe we heard some messages and thought we were maybe Clint Eastwood. No, you're not the guy on the ground. You're not Clint Eastwood. In the movie, you're Jesus. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We still had not figured that out yet. Mm-mm. You read the script and you're the actor in the script. You're, you're him in the earth. You are well, Can I attain to that? No, you don't want to attain to it. You're born into it. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. We have the deal, and he said, "He said, action." And the church is like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> no, I have a name that's been given unto me. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Cancer, I can mock cancer. I can mock life. Oh, come on now, that's that's how how much authority you have. It's not like trying to do something. That's the deal. I remember I was preaching in this meeting we were talking about it last night in Pittsburgh. There was a little kid that had gotten healed of Down syndrome, probably about a three-year-old little baby. And the parents were so blessed, so happy. Uh, they, they owned a, 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 what do you call it, a, a parking garage. And, man, they were just like, wow, our, our baby with Down syndrome doesn't have Down syndrome. Took the test, $600. The chromosome changed. The doctor said, I don't understand it. It's just amazing. Where we were the other day in Wisconsin, a lady had gotten healed of epilepsy. And uh, uh, she had told everybody, last time you were here, I got healed of epilepsy. Threw her medicine away. And people came from Pittsburgh all the way over to Wisconsin because this lady had gotten healed of epilepsy. See, it's the dinner bell. So there in Pittsburgh, the baby's healed of Down syndrome. The next time I come, the parents said, hey, why don't you lay hands on our 13-year-old? It won't hurt, but to bless him. You know, he doesn't have Down syndrome, but they'll just bless him anyway. I said, yeah, we'll pray for him, no big deal. Just to bless him and strengthen him, whatever. So that night, I preached on heaven. don't normally preach on heaven. And the youth were back out in their meeting. I never preach about heaven. I don't even think I know the verses to preach about heaven. Well, I know some verses, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so I preached that night about heaven, you know, and I'm preaching along, no, 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 whatever. Finished the meeting. They brought in that 13 year old and said, Will you pray for him? I said, Sure. So we laid hands on him said, I command, you know, that he's a disciple taught of the Lord and grace his peace and our circumposure. He'll walk with God all the days of his life, just speaking the word over him. Father, you says, he trusts in you with all of his heart. He leans not to his own understandings. In all his ways, he acknowledges you and you direct his path. In his pathway, there is light and there is no darkness at all. I'm speaking the word over him. Yeah. So he falls out into the power and he lays there for a little bit and he's out cold, you know. So we kind of talk for a minute and you're like, Well, let him enjoy it. A couple minutes later, he's he, he's on the floor, kind of moving around like, like like he's dreaming or whatever. So they're like, What's going on? I said, Well, he's just out on the power. It's okay, let, let him alone. Well, you know, you go back to the book table, come back in, he's still on the floor moving around, just kind of relaxed. And they said, What do we do? I said, Let him enjoy it. Come time, hey, it's time to leave. What do we do? I said, Well, pick him up and take him home. They picked him up, they took him home, they put him in bed, in the middle of the night. He wakes up, hey, I went to heaven tonight. And they're like, shut up, it's three in the morning. That's exactly what they said. They told him to be quiet. He goes, no, no, no. I went to heaven tonight. He said, I saw Grandpa. He said, And they're like, what? He said, Grandpa took his biscuits and gravy and he scraped the gravy just like that. And they, and they knew how. There you go. There's biscuits and gravy in heaven. Come on. <laughs> That's pretty wild, isn't it? Praise the Lord. So, so they're shocked that they're, they know then he's seen Grandpa. And he said, that was cool to see Grandpa, but there's something better than seeing Grandpa. He says, well, I'm standing there talking to Grandpa. He's eating his biscuit and gravy. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks in with this gold stick. I mean, a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of my kingdom. And Jesus walks up to that 13-year-old and says, you know what? I don't have any authority in the earth. I gave it all to my church. And that 13-year-old goes like, all of it? We came back the next night, and that 13-year-old got up. You know, he didn't do Elvis. He didn't go, I tell you, I got the authority. I got it all. I mean, he just calmly got up and said, you know what? Jesus said, Jesus said, I don't have any. And that's something? Because we think, well, Jesus can do whatever He wants to. No, He's waiting for you to do something. Yeah, right. yeah. He said, I gave not some of it, all, all of it. All. So we have this, this investment from heaven. Now, it's so simple that it's almost scary to preach on it because it's like, You know, sometimes our group could kind of yawn on it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I know all that. Well, well, good for you. Here's a cookie. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) But we have so dwelt on things that did not work. We tried to make all these other things work. This is the one thing the early church knew. They'd been authorized. They knew it was not about them. Now, you know, with your authorization, you set the tone for your life. Yep. I like how Pastor Mark said it. What you say, basically, is what you say is heading your way. Yep. Yep. I mean, Jesus told him in Mark 11:23, you can use your faith for your desserts, figs. You can use it for obstacles. Then you can use it for desires. He said, use it as a tool. Well, here, your authority sets the tone for your life, you can, you can set the tone for 2012, 2013, 2014. You, you can set the tone however you want it with your authority. Yes. That's the amazing thing is there is no limit. There is no, like, okay, Lord's like, well, now I want you to be blessed, but, you know, just take her easy. No, he's like, I've given you all of my authority. This meeting I was in years ago, man, I got to stop here. Hang with me. I'm closing right now. Remember how the guy goes, what was the guy say? Our pa- our pastor in California, he says, I got I'm getting ready to close. We're like, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, right, like, wow. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're closing. Okay. <laughs> that means buckle up. We're gonna be here a while. No. <laughs> man,
1: you got,
0: you got. I love this. You guys are radical. Woo. Oh man, that that tells me how much you love Jesus. Amen. That he that just makes him happy. Wow. Well, in this meeting I was going to be in, we're talking about setting the tone. Your authority sets the tone. And so I was going to be in this meeting, and uh, I was going to preach with this buddy of mine. And I wasn't full-time in the ministry. I was ushering in a church in Tulsa. And so this buddy of mine is going to make me be in this camp meeting. I'm like, okay, I'll get there. So I go with him on the plane, you know, to get there. We get off the plane, and the news media met us right when we got off the plane. The cameras were right there, and I'm thinking, what in the world? They would put posters all over the city, Jesus is your healer, come get healed. So the news media comes right when we got off the plane, and they go, we want to interview you. I said, man, don't interview you interview my buddy. And my buddy goes like this. He does Elvis Presley. He started doing his arms like this, start doing like this, and he goes like that. And I was like, oh God, just, just just invite people to come to church. Don't be so crazy. And he goes like this. I mean he did Elvis Presley right there on the tarmac with the camera right there. And he goes, like I said, I tell you what you gotta do. He said, I'll tell you what, and I, I just kinda turned my head and like and I just kind of walk away like that. And He's exactly what he did. He goes, I tell you what, I dare you to bring the sick and the lame these meetings, God will heal them. He said, bring them from all over. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, because I was like, I was excited to be there. But I wasn't necessarily walking off the plane going, bring the cameras on. I'm ready. I was like, you know. So he goes, he goes, and he's setting the tone for the meeting. He goes, I dare you to bring, bring the sick and the lame. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, I got, we got there to the meetings, I preached that Sunday morning, it was hideous, it was so bad, I'll never forget, it was just horrible, it was dry as cornstarch. people could have rolled water to me, you know what I mean? It was just, it was bad. It was so bad, I had a lady walk up to me afterwards and said, no, don't try to do this for a living. And I was like, oh yeah. I said, well, get a number, because you're not the first person to tell me that. That's absolutely true. So she goes, no, don't try to do this for a living. It was just horrible, okay? So we came in Sunday night, and my buddy's going to preach. And the music's going, and he's kind of waiting in the back, you know, and I'm just standing right here minding my own business and just thanking God I didn't have to preach that night because it was so bad that morning, you know. So I'm just standing there minding my own business and I'm just waiting for my buddy to come in. Look up, and all of a sudden there's a huge angel standing right there. Actually two of them standing right there, about eight nine feet tall. Look right at me, and I just was like, holy cow, what's going on here? And because uh, uh, I didn't know what to do, I just looked up at him and I ducked my head like that. <laughs> And I kind of look like that, and, I, and I, you know, I was thinking, am I seeing things? I and mean, is this real? You know, because I look up again, and they're not moving. They're just looking down at me, just like this, very intent, glowing in the glory of God, very, very purposeful. Well, I look up, doctor, look up, doctor. Hmm, what do we do here? You know? So I'm wondering what to do, and uh, my buddy comes walking in. He goes, "Hey, hey, you got anything?" I said, "No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, don't have anything. Don't have anything all over here." <laughs> yeah. I was like. In fact, there were kids on the floor. They didn't have children's church in there. Were children all over the floor, and there were angels all around the little kids too, right? they kind of kind of kneeled down with them while they were coloring. So my buddy's going, "You got anything?" I'm, "Nope, don't have a thing. It's all over you." <laughs> so, um, so then he 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 gets up and begins to preach, and the Holy Ghost says, "Those angels have come to deliver a woman a new heart." I thought, "Well, okay, I can understand that." So my buddy didn't call that out. So at the end, he goes, "You got something?" I said, "Well, maybe so." I said, there's somebody here, you got trouble with your heart. This lady got up, came walking down. She looked like she was going to die before she even came down. I mean, I was like, Lord, you better heal her, and you better heal her quick. And, and so she comes walking down. I said, ma'am, uh, Jesus is your healer. He redeemed you from the curse of the law. And I said, I command you to be healed. She falls out of the power. She gets up, and she's different. She's vibrant. I mean, she's totally, I mean, physically changed to where she's like, wow. She goes back to her seat. My buddy gives the altar call. Her family and her came down and gave their life to the Lord. So she gets healed and saved. Now, that's Sunday night. She's freaked out because she's so strong, feels so good. Monday, she goes to the cardiologist. She goes, check this out. She walks in. She goes, look at this. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm good. He goes, what happened to you? She goes, I went to this crazy church. And, uh, <laughs> and she, she told him, she said, I'm healed. And he goes, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be the one to tell you if you're healed or not. He did an EKG. And he goes, wait a minute. Did the EKG again? He goes, your heart muscle is flawless. He, go, he freaked him out. Now, she's on a list for a transplant. Okay? The cardiologist called the newspaper.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. it, it gets crazier. Uh, <laughs> so on Wednesday, the newspaper came. Now, the news media had already tried to interview us at the beginning, remember? Mm-hmm. The newspaper came on Wednesday, and uh, <laughs> we didn't know he was the newspaper guy. So on Friday, we came back. We were there every day. Friday, we came back, and we went to the foyer to come in. There were people everywhere, people with candles, people with incense, people with crystals. One lady brought me a purple amethyst. All these New Age people came. Because there was a, the article came out Friday in the newspaper, Angels bring woman a new heart. Christ redeemed her from the curse of the law. And the guy told the article about the cardiologist couldn't understand that one minute her heart's got all this damage, the next minute it's flawless. Well, that night, my buddy preached a simple gospel message. All these people came forward and gave their life to the Lord. Amen. 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 One, one miracle. Now, how'd that miracle come? Great preaching? No, the lady told me not to do this for a living. So it wasn't like, I tell you, it's great. You know, it's not about, we want to make it about the oration. We want to make it about the, I tell you, he's the same tonight as he was last night. I tell you. no, No, that lady told me, don't do this for a living. You ain't going to make it. But Ross, my buddy, set the tone with his authorization. So you've had all these messages, all this this revelation for you to set the tone in your life. This is how I would start. I set the tone with with my, my wife and my daughter. I speak over my family. They have a spirit of wisdom a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of their understanding are enlightened. They know what the hope of their calling is. They know what the riches of their inheritance are in Christ. They know what the exceeding greatness of your power is as us who believe. And I don't just kind of quote it like, you know, you've been given us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. No, I say it like I mean it. Lord, you you gave my wife a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. I'm setting the tone for my wife. So I start out with my family, then I start out with my own life. Then I start out with, I walk with you, Father. I only do those things that please you. I hearken unto the voice of the Lord, the stranger's voice I do not follow. I say that my spirit, man, is dominant, and my flesh is not dominant. I set the tone so that I can cooperate with God. Yes. Amen. Obviously, we would want to all do this with our family, with our kids, with our job. I would start saying, everybody you come in contact with, they come in contact with God. Everybody you come in contact with, they come in contact with Jesus. And my friend, you can get close to Jesus. And you can get people that don't have sight, get their sight. So you watch how God will have what we've known and heard just so rise up in us so that we don't have to make something happen. We're having to figure out how to shut it down. You're like, oh, how do we calm this thing down? Now, I personally believe right here before Jesus comes, you'll have, you'll have nights where they bring the cameras in, they don't understand it. People that are dead, they brought them in, three or four people dead, people, boom, they're popping up out of the, off the deal. I'm like, what is this? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel.
1: I'll
0: pour out my spirit on all flesh. But you are that group of people that he has put that investment in. And you're not operating in Adam's authority, you're not operating in David's authority, you're not operating in Abraham's authority. He said before Abraham was, I am. And and would be that all of us would have that in us, that we have his authority, his nature, his grace, his power. Wow, let's watch and see what our king will do in this hour. Watch and see what the hand of God will do in the church. There'll be such an awareness of the Lordship of the Son of God. There'll be such an awareness of His dominion in the church that it'll almost be like you can't even think defeat. You can't think weakness. You only think victory all the time. You think no limitation. You think, Lord, we'll build, we'll plant. It'll almost be an apostle's mentality in the believer right here for the coming of the Lord. It would almost be said of this generation, what are they doing trying to launch out like that? It will be the glory of God yeah, yeah. making known to this generation that Jesus is the same yeah. and has not changed.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's set the tone. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I think you've had ten great years. Man, look at, look at the last ten years. I'm, I can't wait to see the next ten years. Let's set the tone about the next ten years as a body of believers together. Let's yeah. say yeah. We're, we're thriving, we're, we're flourishing. Yes. I close with this and I, I, I'm done. John Osteen, they asked him... This, this, this is just a shock. They asked John Osteen years ago... They said, how would you grow your church? You know, do you think if you change your preaching? No. Change your missions? No. You change your outreach? No. He said, how would you grow your church? He said, I grew my church with my mouth.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Now, in this room, there's such a strong body that can grow this church with your mouth along with your pastors. It's yes. yes. used to, it had to be just the pastor growing the church with his mouth... Look how things can expand and explode with all mature believers going, this is the way we'll have it. There'll be no strife. There'll be no murmuring. There'll be no complaining. We'll walk with God.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Man, oh man, I I think it'll be where they'll have to bring the fire trucks and try to put the fire out. they'll go, well, that's not natural fire, that's heavenly fire. Wow. Let's bless Him for a minute before we go. Lord, we thank You for what You have given the church. Thank You, thank You, thank You that You have given us Your grace, Your power, Your authority. Father, thank You for this platform in the last days for Your church to display and to demonstrate Jesus. That there'd be a manifestation of who Jesus is in all of our lives. We thank you for miracles, signs and wonders to be wrought. in Every person in this room. We thank you for it, Father. We give you glory and honor and praise. We bless you tonight, Jesus. We set the tone. Father, we're grateful for the last ten years. But Lord, we, we launch ahead for the next ten years. To, to have a, a, a renewal even of fresh vision and fresh grace. Father, we thank you for it. That Jesus... And all that He is will be made so known to us. (laughs) Wow. That we get it. We get it, we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it. We walk in it. We thank You for it. Jesus, thank You for giving us Your name. And all that Your name brings. Thank You for giving us Your Word. All that Your Word brings. And Spirit of God, thank You for being so comfortable here in this church. There's such great faith in this church. Such grace in this church. Thank you for spreading your grace throughout this community, through this church. We thank you that it will overflow the banks and affect everybody in this region. We're grateful for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Supernaturally grateful. Wow. Hallelujah.